hello everyone and uh, welcome to another Life Afloat podcast. Uh, this time not recorded from a kayak, unfortunately. I'm um, just driving Ziggy to Aris Park, where we're going to go for a wander, a wee walk. And I thought while wandering around the park I'd um, chat with you and uh, bring you up to date with how things are and what's been happening since the end of my expedition uh, because it's just over a month now since I finished when I landed in Tobermory after a year away. It feels like a, a lot has happened and, and yet time has flown by at a rate of knots. Yep, just coming up to the car park soon and uh, we can begin our walk. Six. There we are. <clears throat> this is a great favourite for mine, this uh, particular walk. Just park off the main road at the top of the park, and then um, there's a walk, a path that goes down alongside the Arrow Spurn and uh, <clears throat> follows the burn all the way down to the sea probably just less than a kilometre maybe, but it's a beautiful stretch of river with a couple of fine waterfalls on it and um, some lovely rapids as well. It's definitely autumnal now, it's a chill to the air, that kind of damp underfoot feeling, the smell of mulching leaves and undergrowth, the bracken is dying back, the leaves are beginning to change colour, some trees more golden than others now and others clinging on to their summer greenness and uh, what is also noticeable are the shortening daylight hours as well. <laughs> it's getting dark a lot earlier and turning on the lights in the house much earlier now than we were a week or so ago. So just coming up to the, uh, the top waterfall. Now the river Arras, it's not a huge river, but it's, um, it's sizable really for, for, uh, for Mull, to be honest. When it reaches this point, it tumbles over a, uh, a basalt band, or a band of basalt here at the top waterfall. It's, um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the fall itself drops, I guess, about two or three metres, well no, three or four metres. In, onto a tumble of um, dark black rocks and then the river rushes away below that steeply down into a narrow stretch of um, rapids and smaller drops and then finishes with another fine waterfall just before it reaches the sea. So I love walking down past here. Well, I've been home a month, just over a month now, and um, I thought I'd bring you up to speed with what's happening and what my plans are and uh, how things are going for me. Well, we've, um, both Karen and I, we've uh, had COVID <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, which wasn't very pleasant at all. 
Uh, we um, went to a family wedding a couple of weeks back and um, I think that's where we caught it. And unfortunately, we were due to go on from the wedding to go on holiday up to Skye, but we only got as far as Fort William before Karen uh, really became unwell. And uh, we decided, because the weather was awful and uh, being unwell and with the rain hammering against the tent, it just wasn't con conducive to <laughs> recovery and enjoying ourselves really. So we decided to come back and um, it was a good job we did because I soon then succumbed to the illness as well. And uh, so for an, almost a week, both of us were knocked out for six really. I didn't feel very well, very well at all. Just a really nasty flu type bug, I guess. I noticed I was short of breath <coughs> still have the remnants of the cough <coughs> and uh, so Karen's also coughing as well but we both uh, feel so much better now and um, we've both now tested negative for Covid so we're, we're through the, the Covid phase, it's now the, the recovery phase now uh, and making sure that we don't push ourselves too hard. All the advice is to take things easy to avoid long Covid so uh, we're heeding that advice. Thankfully Karen is um, still on holiday, although it's been a, a rubbish holiday for her because the last thing she wanted was to take two weeks off work and then end up feeling rotten with Covid. So that, uh, that took up a couple of weeks of the month that I've been home. I think the week after I arrived back, it was definitely a week where I, I was finding my feet, literally finding my way around the house again, remembering where things were and, and also delighting in the simple things of being able to have a hot shower and sit on my favourite sofa and curl up in the warmth of the sitting room, be able to connect to the internet without worrying about upload speeds or download speeds, whatever, and uh, bandwidth and using up my, my allowance, <coughs> my internet allowance. And uh, all the while, you know, putting down on paper, writing a lot, uh, my plans for the future, uh, the ideas that uh, I came away from the hot, my um, sea kayaking journey with and what I want to do for the future, how I achieve the goals that I've set myself. And amongst all of this then of course has been the transition from being an itinerant solo expeditionary sea kayaker to somebody who's now living at home again in the bosom of the family uh, with no daily purpose apart from being a useful member of the family. You know, when I was kayaking, I was focused on my existence, I think, my, my life as somebody who was camping, sim living simply, and then packing the kayak and paddling for the day and then unpacking the kayak at the end of the day and making camp and living simply and <laughs> just being responsible, responsible for myself. So there's been a, a, quite a large adjustment from that. It hasn't been difficult though, I have to say. I've returned home, I think, incredibly easily. And I think this is due to the fact that I was prepared to come home. So towards the end of my journey, certainly the last couple of weeks, you know, I was, um, I was ready for the journey to come to an end and I was ready to return home. I was um, looking forward to being at home again with Karen, enjoying her company every day and, and her love and affection. And I was just ready to come home, yes. I think I, the sense of, um, itinerancy, always being on the move, no longer held its appeal. I felt like my journey had served its purpose and I was ready. And so those last two weeks were really 
about marking time really before I came home. So from that point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm finding things easy. But in the last week, maybe because I've been knocked for six by COVID, uh, in the last week I've noticed I have a depression beginning to descend on me. I notice I'm feeling the weight of a low mood and the intrusive thoughts that I experience along with that are becoming more and more forceful in the way they push themselves into my mind and, and how much more difficult it is for me to, to dissuade them, push them aside. And these are thoughts of um, low self-worth, low self-esteem, a dislike of myself, picking up on my faults, highlighting my limitations or what I see as my limitations, highlighting what I perceive to be my negative characteristics, my negative qualities, highlighting what I think of myself as a feckless person. And I think worryingly, um, highlighting what I believe to be the futility of me pushing ahead with my ambitions and my plans because uh, I am not the kind of person who will be able to see them through. These are all the intrusive thoughts and negative thoughts that uh, descend upon me. And over the last week or so, they've been, as I say, much more forceful. And uh, they take root as well, so it's, I find it more difficult to, to get rid of them. And I find it, it's, uh, it's exhausting, it's tiring work to, to employ the cogn cognitive behavioural techniques that I've learnt to, do, to, um, you know, to combat them, to overcome them. And also, of course, employing the powerful insights and awarenesses that I've gained from my journey in terms of, of, of realising that these intrusive thoughts are just those, they're thoughts, they're not reality. It's a constant process for me at the moment of, of utilising the, the powerful skills that I have to overcome these, these uh, intrusive thoughts as well as um, feeling battered by them as well. I'm just going to take a moment from chatting about this to stop and have a look at the bottom waterfall. I really love this waterfall. I remember when I saw it for the first time, I think, when we visited Tobermory about 12 or 15 years ago, and I fell in love with it then, and uh, every time I see it, which is just about every day, because I bring Ziggy down here for his walk, I stop and... Uh, stare at it for a few minutes. Again, it's, uh, it's the Aros burn that just falls about three to four meters, maybe five meters, into a cauldron of peaty brown water churned up because the water crashes onto rocks, huge boulders. And then there's a, a rush of this water towards the sea, headlong into the sea, only a hundred meters away. And it's the point where the salt water meets the fresh, or the fresh water meets the salt. So it's a particularly special place for me. I love walking down here and I also love kayaking to this corner of the bay and looking up at the waterfall from my kayak. And uh, if ever you visit Tobermory, I encourage you to come and see this waterfall here in Aris Park, which is uh, with an easy walking distance of Tobermory Town. Pretty lovely. Yeah, so back to these intrusive thoughts and uh, this uh, 
low malaise that I'm experiencing have caused me to feel pretty concerned. Now, the last thing I want to do is, is at this point in time, or any time really, but of course, but certainly at this point in time is to descend into a, into a deep depression. I decided that I needed to nip this in the bud and, uh, and I made an appointment to see the GP and I made sure that I made an appointment with the GP who I had spoken to on the telephone a couple of times during my journey. Uh, we'd not met each other before because uh, here in Tobermory we've had difficulty with um, the retention of GPs. Uh, doctors. It seems like um, this particular doctor will be around for a while. You know, he's he's, he's certainly been, he was certainly around for the year that I was away, and thankfully he's still here when I came back. So, because we talked to each other and he'd shown an interest in my journey, and he understood the nature of my journey, and he uh, he has uh, a good knowledge of my history, my mental health history. I felt confident that um, he would give me time and sit and listen to me and suggest the next steps, which is what he did. I went and saw him yesterday and he was excellent, as I, as I guessed he would be. It was incredibly useful and I was able to explain to him my fears and my concerns. So he, uh, he got in touch with the community mental health team, the crisis team, and within an hour I was speaking to a community psychiatric nurse who I had spoken with in the past and who knew me and uh, and he knew of me as a, somebody who's a sea kayaker and an adventurer and he knew of me within the context of my journey that I've just completed. So there was an immediate um, level of connection which was really useful for me because I didn't feel like I had to explain myself or what it was I was experiencing or you know the, within the context of what I was experiencing I suppose is, is, is what I'm trying to say. So he he listened to me and um, I guess he was assessing my level of safety. Um, he wanted to know whether my thoughts of suicide were were planned, did I have plans, you know, were I, was I intending on acting on them and even though <clears throat> it was a crisis team intervention I'm not really at, at a crisis point myself at the moment. It did feel like for me that um, the situation had been nipped in the bud. <laughs> and I'm particularly proud of myself for having, for having done so, you know. I'm particularly proud of myself for accepting very, very early on that I needed to reach out, reconnect with the, the mental health service and um, ask for support. And um, as a result, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling much better. <laughs> and it's an odd thing, really, because, you know, I've, you know, I've had this incredible journey and I came through this incredible journey and I proved to myself my resilience and my tenacity. I proved to myself that hope exists. Proved to myself that, um, that nothing lasts forever, difficulties don't last forever, that um, if I persist with the challenge the challenge will be resolved and will be replaced with reward. So these are all very powerful um, metaphors and awarenesses for me to embody, which I have embodied. And yet, lo and behold, within a few weeks of getting home, I'm facing my age-old, seemingly age-old conundrum of, of fighting the uh, intrusive thoughts.
there's not just the intrusive thinking as well, um, and I've long said, said this of my depression, is that it's almost organic as well. So it feels, feels like it sits within my body, um, like a weight on my shoulders or a weight in my head and my neck and pushes me down, pushes me deep, deep downwards. You know, it flattens out my, my way of being, demotivates me from being active and healthy. Now, for example, I've, I've only been out in my kayak a couple of times since coming home. And I went down to the kayak yesterday <laughs> I was ashamed and horrified to discover that uh, the cockpit was full of rainwater, even though there's a spray deck cover. And I realised this was because I hadn't actually been down to the kayak for well over two weeks. In a way, I had abandoned her on the shore. And I purposely left her on the shore because I believed that if by doing so, I was more likely to use this as an opportunity just to walk down from the house and jump in the kayak and paddle off around the bay on a whim but this hasn't happened because my motivation for doing so has been dampened by my growing depression yeah and as I'm speaking I'm just thinking of how when I discovered she was full of water it was a self-fulfilling prophecy you know this this these intrusive thoughts of you know you you're stupid you're worthless you know there you were thinking you could leave your kayak here to go kayaking you haven't even bothered going kayaking look how Look how um, lazy you are and how useless you are. You probably don't deserve to have a kayak. And so I walked away having given myself a thoroughly good beating in my mind. So I am challenged at the moment with uh, a bout of, um, I suppose, I, I guess, <laughs> you're about to categorise it, maybe a, a low-grade depression. On the positive side of things. I'm writing my book proposal for my literary agent, A.M. Heath, and that's very, very exciting and I'm enjoying that. You know, and uh, it's, it's notable that after my visit to the GP yesterday, I managed to really get stuck into, into a good piece of my, my proposal. I was able to write down the nuts and bolts of what I want the book to look like and what I'm hoping for. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's been been incredible, and I'm very, very, very excited to be honest. Because you know, it's looking it's looking like it could be a fantastic book, even if I say so myself. I mean, it can't help but be a rich story to tell because of all that occurred on the journey. But when I look at the things I want to write about, yeah, just just incredibly powerful, and um, yeah, I think hopefully very enlightening for for the reader. It was funny when I, I was writing about um, myself as an author, so as part of the proposal I was, I have to write, you know, about what I bring to the book as the author and, um, you know, sort of big myself up a bit, you know, in terms of the contacts I have, like the media interest I've experienced and, um, yeah, who has shown an interest in me, who then might be able to be helpful in the future. And I just suddenly found myself bursting into tears you know when I realized it was an it's actually quite a considerable list of accolades in terms of media interest and um, yeah people who have shown an interest in my journey and uh, this includes the hundred thousand followers I have on on what was Twitter yeah so um, yeah I, I, I just found myself recognizing that rather emotionally <laughs>
The book proposal will be hopefully completed, certainly by the beginning of next week. It will certainly be the first draft to send through to the literary agent, and that will get the ball rolling well and truly. So that's very, very exciting. And then the other thing that I've been working on, and, um, and I've already produced a, a document regarding this, is uh, establishing a charitable foundation uh, which will serve as a legacy for my journey. And um, you know, this is a charity that I'd like to set up to assist people, adults, uh, not just people, but specifically adults with mental health issues, um, access adventure and nature to help them with their recovery. So yeah, so I've, I've been putting a lot of thought into that and uh, there's a number of people, there's a long list of people who I'd like to send this document to as a proposal and um, establish a, like a steering group to begin with to help me formulate a charity or a foundation and then maybe hopefully a few of them would like to remain on as, as trustees or uh, directors of the charity. And then I know that others would uh, serve well as, as people who are involved with uh, the delivery of some of the, the programmes that I'm thinking of the charity running. So that's, that's exciting and, and, and I certainly want to see this uh, succeed. Um, I'm not seeing this as, a, as an opportunity for me to provide myself with employment or as a means of income. This is purely a legacy from the journey. So once the, the, the charity is established, you know, I would like to think that I take a step back and that it's self-sustaining. It's um, it's freestanding, really, free of, of of my input and control. You know, because of course I take a huge interest in in its development and its growth and its sustainability. I would really love it if if this was a, a legacy of the journey and in, in a way it drives itself forward under the guidance of of other people. But we'll see works if it works out that way or whether i remain integral to to the whole thing for the first few years of its of its existence but i don't want to be precious about it uh, that's the key that's the key really i don't want to be a figurehead so this is a challenge for me because i've never set up a charity before and for a start i don't know if, if my idea actually warrants becoming a charity or a charitable foundation or whether it may need to be you know another entity you know, like a community interest company or something like that. I'm not so keen on the latter, really, to be honest. If it was, I'd much rather it was a charitable foundation. So, yeah, that, that's very exciting. And, um, yeah, I've been putting quite a lot of energy into that as well. I noticed that uh, despite having been home for a, a month, I have still a, a huge pile of correspondence I need to get on top of. And this is one of my weaknesses my, my flaws, I think, is that my my ability to to not procrastinate is 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 not very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm dreadful at responding to correspondence, and I feel incredibly guilty that there are people who wrote to me when I returned that I've not replied to yet. I've set myself the task of actually addressing this, you know, head on and um, and working through the correspondence and writing to people. Who haven't corresponded with me but have often had in my mind as people who I would like to write to either to thank them for something they did for me on the on the journey or just to write to them because of I thought of them or you know they entered my mind to let them know that I you know that I had them in my mind during my journey 
and to maybe make reconnections as well you know, with people who have meant a lot to me in my life. And while I was on my journey, I realised that this was true. And then uh, the nuts and bolts of making a living as well. So I've been working a little bit on my on my website. I've not uh, done many changes to my website, but my website, lifeafloat.co.uk, needs a revamp. I think needs rewriting in the context of now having had this incredible journey and, and uh, completed it. And um, and I want to start, you know, selling my creative art work through through my website. Uh, so the jewellery that I make and uh, and and the art prints that I want to get stuck into, I want to to do, sell them through my website, and then also develop, go on to con- develop my sort of passive income streams as well, which are you know like t-shirt sales, sales of some of the photographs that I've taken, yeah, and maybe make um, create you know books that I can sell, you know like photography books and uh, things like that. But these these take a these 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 take time. It's a chicken and egg situation, really. I need I need the income, but I also need to spend time developing the ideas to to earn the income. So what I'll be doing is is in the next couple of weeks testing the waters with um, with things that I that I can sell on my my website and hopefully make begin to make some money, which will then enable me to buy the dream laptop that I'm wanting to buy which will enable me to edit the countless hours of film footage and the literally the the thousands and thousands of um, photographic images I have to um, produce work that I can sell be it in photography books or on my YouTube um, channel which is which is something else that I want to develop Um, I'm very close to being monetized by YouTube so you know, I think that if I put effort into making YouTube films and therefore earn a, um, a small income that way as well through minimal monetization, that that will help. And I've certainly got enough footage from my journey to to put up a number of of uh, films for the next year, I would think. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot going on. You know, when I wrote a list of all the the, the things that I I can do or have to do as a result of coming home. It's um, it's a lengthy list, and it feels daunting to be honest. And I think maybe that was one of the, the triggers which prompted my depression to rear its ugly head again. I can only do what I can do, of course. So it's prioritising what's important, putting my energy into what will bring the greatest gain and to not be distracted by frivolousness. Just reached a point in the walk, which is another wonderful point for me. There's another stream that runs through Arras Park. And this one, similar to the top waterfall, falls over this band of um, steep rock. I think it's basalt, the basalt band of rock. And this one falls as a narrow band of water, probably about eight, eight metres, possibly maybe 10 metres, and a very steep rocky slope. Absolutely stunning. And this waterfall is fringed by beech trees, pine trees, so it's um, perfectly framed, whichever way you look at it, by the trees. And uh, now the trees are turning colour, it's, it is really lovely. 
And because we've had a fair amount of rain recently, this waterfall's in fine voice, it's lovely. I've noticed uh, recently that I've found it difficult to engage with uh, my social media accounts, certainly with X, formerly Twitter. I find I just don't have anything that I, I can offer and I feel stumped with a lack of creativity or I don't know what it is. I think it's because I feel, again, that I've lost re relevance, that I'm no longer relevant. Um, that many people followed me because of my journey and now that my journey's come to an end, that there's really no point in me continuing to post anything really. And I don't want to be someone who posts memories all the time. You know, remember when I camped here or remember when I saw this eagle or remember when this happened or remember when that happened because it doesn't hold, you know, to do so just wouldn't be relevant <laughs> because those moments have been and gone and they, they, they were relevant at the time, they were powerful at the time and uh, just to, to put them up again would be a, what I think would be a, a, you know, a, a cynical way of me attempting to remain present in people's lives because there I, I have nothing else to offer. <laughs> you know, I don't, I haven't been kayaking and I haven't been ha having other adventures. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've posted a couple of pictures of Topamori and some nice local views. You know, I felt okay about doing that because those were very present and that's what I was doing. But uh, yeah, so in terms of being a meaningful contributor, I don't think I have anything to offer at the moment. And, uh, and also because I'm feeling pretty yuck about myself. I just feel like hiding away, I suppose. I know that uh, the community at large would be incredibly supportive as they always are when, when I'm struggling like this. And it's, and it's true too from my other social media accounts, you know, my Facebook page, I haven't put anything up. I have a, a Threads account, similar there, and Instagram as well. Well, it's a fairly low-energy, low-key podcast, I'm afraid. But this is the, the truth of the matter for me at the moment. And um, this, is what I, this is what I want to share, I suppose. It's, it's, um, it's my life at the moment. <laughs> Interrupted by another dog walker there. Yeah, so um, where was I? It's a fairly low-key, rather flat podcast I'm afraid but I, I think it's been useful for me to share with you what's happening for me post-expedition yeah talk through my thoughts and my experiences in the last few weeks share with you the plans that I have and a little bit for the work that I've been doing and I'll continue to create these podcasts talk about Nick life afloat and what I'm achieving and what I'm doing and certainly have plans to record more from my kayak and um, talk about the experiences that I'm having out at sea. And I also have plans to get myself into the hills a bit more, to go walking and camping, because I've always loved doing that as well. So it's not just sea kayaking I'm passionate about, but I do love backpacking and camping and getting up into the mountains and enjoying the views. So there will be podcasts of those experiences as well. Just to finish with, I'm going to be okay. Um, I know I will be okay. I'm safe and I'm not um, 
I'm not in danger of, of harming myself in any way. And I'm really pleased that I've nipped my developing depression in the bud, so to speak, by seeking support so early on. So I'm particularly pleased with myself for that, as I said. So I hope the next time I speak to you will be with a less flat voice, <laughs> a bit more zest and zing. But as always, thank you so much for listening to me, for uh, visiting my podcast. And I hope you choose to subscribe and um, stay in touch. My very best wishes to you all. Bye-bye.